All right, well, hello everybody again. Welcome to the newest episode of the Language Happy Hour. Um, today we're recording at the University of Maryland where we're uh, joined by uh, Leanne and Jay who are the program coordinators. Leanne is the program coordinator for the Arabic flagship program and Jay is the coordinator for the Persian flagship program. Um, they're also alumni of both of those programs, respectively. So, uh, guys, thanks for being here with us. Yeah, thanks thank for you. Us. Yeah, great to be here. All right, let's get started. Let's do it. So, this is Garrett here, everyone, and I just wanted to. Uh, let both Jay and Leanne kind of talk about their programs here at the University of Maryland, both Arabic and Persian flagship, and just overall the program here at the University of Maryland because it's near and dear to me because I actually attended the summer uh, Persian flagship program back in, I'm not recalling the date, but I believe it's 2012, and it really was a, a springboard for me in my career within the language realm, and I want to make sure that they're able to talk more about it and let everybody know about what they're doing and how we've been able to team up with them and really, uh, really be able to help uh, get some knowledge out about their program. Yeah. So we want to start alphabetically with Arabic? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, uh, so we have a bunch of different programs here in Arabic and Persian. So Jay and I are both the coordinators for the flagship program, which is sort of the more long-term study uh, intended for students who are really interested in getting their language and cultural skills to a really high level and being able to use them in their careers. Um, so they have similar structures because they're both part of the national uh, the language flagship organization, which is funded through uh, Department of Defense and goes through a bunch of different universities for a number of critical languages, um, Arabic and Persian being two of them, but also there are flagship programs in Turkish, Chinese, Russian, and several other languages throughout the country. So the structure is pretty similar. Um, it's sort of a two-part program, domestic and overseas. So the domestic program is aimed at students uh, who are doing their undergraduate work here at Maryland. They can be Arabic or Persian majors or not. We have a ton of majors in the Arabic side, particularly from uh, government and linguistics. Um, so the idea being that they can do this alongside whatever you know bachelor's degree they're studying for. So like I said, we have, an a, we have a, a focus on both language and culture. So they take language classes, they work with one-on-one -on -one conversation partners, they do um, you know a lot, a lot of language-specific work like that, but they also have cultural clubs and field trips and kind of as much immersion as possible while they're here. Um, and then for the Arabic side, the final year of the program, which is the capstone year, um, we send our students to McNess, Morocco, and they do a full 12-month immersion where they live with host families, they take courses, they take classes in the local university with Moroccan students, they work in an internship of their choice, um, with the goal being that at the end of that program, they come out with professional working proficiency, ILR3, um, in multiple dialects as well, because they're studying Pushal, Modern Standard, uh, Moroccan dialect and actually Egyptian dialect so they get a very unique mix of skills uh, when they come out of the Arabic side. Now when you say the capstone does that mean is that like an extra year on top of their four or is that sometimes built into the four or is that just yeah, the Yeah it depends year? so we have pretty flexible pathways and actually the summer institute that Garrett was talking about is, is a big part of that. Um, for most students the capstone ends up being a fifth year um, Again, because a lot of our students are coming from different majors, uh, they tend to finish all of their major requirements in four years at the university and then do the fifth capstone year. Um, that being said, we do have students who condense it 
and they do, we have a student right now who's completing her capstone year that will have done her entire undergraduate in four years. So three years at Maryland, one year capstone, done and graduated. Some students will do uh, three and a half or four years at Maryland, a capstone, and then come back and finish up one class or two, but it's pretty flexible. Um, the main thing for the capstone year is, is sort of where their language level is at. So if their Arabic is at the point where they can go, we can kind of structure the rest of their course requirements around that. So do they take like an OPI to figure out if they're, um, if they qualify to yeah, go? Yeah, exactly. So part of the, so the capstone is part of the flagship program, but there is a sort of qualifying exam. Um, so all students will take that as part of their application to the capstone program. And that is typically in the January before they would leave, they leave in the summer. Um, so we do practice testing in, in the fall so we can get an idea of everybody's levels and figure out, you know, where they need extra support and that sort of thing. Uh, and then their official scores are in January to, to qualify for the capstone. Is it just the oral proficiency interview or is it's it also not. the... Yeah, oh, it's, it's not all the four OPI. skills. So they do uh, speaking, listening, reading, and writing. Persian doesn't have writing because they haven't uh, fully developed and implemented a Persian writing test through American councils yet. But inshallah, it's coming. But yeah, so yeah. they do the full battery of tests so they yeah. can get um, yeah. a full look yeah. at their language skills. And uh, here's kind of where the Arabic and Persian capstone years diverge a little bit. Uh, so as Leanne mentioned, the Arabic capstone program is run in McNess, Morocco. Um, unfortunately, uh, we don't really have anywhere to go for the Persian capstone year. Uh, we used to run a program in Tajikistan for several years, but then we pulled out for various reasons. Well, I mean, the um, language differences alone make right, it very hard. Right, the language differences hard. alone make it very difficult for someone who studied Iranian Persian here to go and speak Tajik Persian in Tajikistan. It is very different, and we had to, you know, really sort of work that very carefully when we sent students there. For one year, we sent them to Turkey, um, and that happened to be the year of major student protests in Turkey, oh. so it didn't even last the full academic year then. Um, and since then, for the past three years, we've actually been doing domestic immersion. So in College Park, we have a, we've uh, created this sort of, we call it simulated immersion, where the students who are in that, that final capstone year live together in an apartment where they only speak Persian. Um, they have a native-speaking house mentor who comes for a few hours every evening and works with them one on works with them as a group on you know, all sorts of different things. And similar to the summer program, they actually have uh, lots of field trips and cultural activities. So apart from just the classes that they're in every day of the week, um, they've also got lots and lots of other different activities that they do in language. So they still average around 50 to 60 hours a week of in-language immersion, even though they're in College Park. So we, uh, <laughs> we're very proud of the fact that we've been able to sort of create this little miniature Persian community within college park which uh yeah and also too they you're able to find um internships as well yeah. that are all yeah. in persian which i think yeah. is a so, really unique quality right. so, so one of the minutes. one of the big benefits that we have of being so close to washington dc is that there's huge persian communities in this area and they're very very active persian communities so we've had several different internships uh one of our students was actually uh just at the carnegie endowment for international peace last semester we have people working at uh tavana which is a online civic education site based in Bethesda that uh, sort of gears towards Iranians and the Iranian diaspora. Um, and so we've been able to find these different internships for our students where the internship is in Persian, where their coworkers are, in per are all speaking Persian, their supervisors are, are Persian speaking. Um, and so they're still able to get a full internship experience 
that's done in language still. And that's definitely something that's kind of unique to this area. There are a few places around the country that have enough Persian speakers that that's really possible. And luckily for us, we're close enough to DC that we can really make use of that. Well, I can think of at least one other major city. Like I was in Nashville a few mm-hmm. weeks, or a few, well, not even weeks anymore, years ago. <laughs> um, and the, the amount of Persian signs and also, yeah. you know, Kurdish signs too, because that's mm-hmm. called Little Kurdistan. Um, so actually that's one of the things that this coming year we're really excited. Um, in years past, we've gone on short uh, field trips to see other Persian speaking communities around the country. Um, in years past, we've gone up to New York City to go to the Persian parade there. And this coming year, we're actually uh, very excited that we're going to be able to take the students out to Los Angeles or... Terangelis! All right, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah, so we're really excited about that. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so you guys both mentioned cultural activities. What what does that entail? Is that like museum visits or restaurants or a combination of both? Because I can think of at least one restaurant, I don't know if they're allowing us to use their name, but Moby Dick, (laughs) where... You know, if if we get a cease and desist, I'll edit that out. Um, (laughs) Where... um, where this, the, the staff is almost all uh, Iranian, mm-hmm. and so you can order there in Persian, and, mm-hmm. and they'll respond. Like, what, what are, yeah. How are some of the ways you guys do cultural? So, all of the above. Um, we've gone to several, there are several different Persian restaurants in the area that we've gone to. Um, there's museums, especially the Freer Sackler Gallery, often has um, Iranian and Persian-themed exhibits. They are, I believe they still have the Turquoise Mountain, which is yes. focused on Afghanistan, which we've taken students to several times. Um, and in addition to that, we have all sorts of other cultural clubs and we have, we bring speakers in to talk about different topics. Uh, on the Persian side, we have a club that was actually student run last semester. That was a Persian poetry and literature club where students would read Persian poetry, talk about it, analyze it, do those sorts of things. In addition to film clubs, um, and you know, any other clubs that students are really interested in, we sort of gear ourselves around building what they're interested in. Yeah. We try to hit kind of a lot of different angles of culture. Um, definitely some of the sort of introductory thoughts or, you know, doors to culture are things like food, music, calligraphy is a big one that we run. Yeah, Mm -hmm. movies for sure, things that we run, um, really pretty regularly on the Arabic side. But we also, um, try to get a variety, especially for the Arab world, because, you know, it's one language, but it spans so many countries and so many different types of cultures that you know, you can't really just teach someone about Egyptian culture and say, all right, that's Arab culture. Now you're good to go. <laughs> Have fun in Morocco. Yeah. Um, so we do try to kind of span both in terms of, you know, when we watch movies, we try to watch movies from all over the Arab world. We get guest lecturers to come and talk about, you know, various aspects. And it might be something about, you know, architecture in Iraq or about the political situation in Morocco, whatever. Um, so lots of different sort of levels in terms of what we're talking about and you know where we're talking about um and it definitely when they're again being close to dc we have a ton of really great opportunities that way so um being able to go to the dc film fest which always has arabic films um various museum visits um has been really really great there's also the uh big important thing that we kind of emphasize with you know people talk about big c culture or little c culture Mm -hmm. so you've got the things like museums and arts and films and things like that that are sort of high culture But one of the things that we've really built in as well, specifically for our Persian capstone program, is that there's so much more to culture than just those things. Um, And so one of the things that I can think of that we did when I was in the capstone program was we actually went down to a place in Northern Virginia and we did Persian Zumba. So there's a Zumba class that's all in Persian and it's all Iranian Iranian immigrants who, you know, just do Zumba and it's done in Persian. And so that was a sort of cultural experience that wouldn't typically be thought of as Iranian culture, but it was still 
Persians doing things in Persian. And it was just a really cool experience where we got to see that and be a part of, you know, this sort of different wave of Persian culture. And I think, too, there's something to be said for sort of cultural competence. So not just knowing the words to use, but when to use them, how mm-hmm. to use compliments and this sort of thing. So one of the clubs that um, we've run on both sides, actually, is something called the How To Club, mm-hmm. where we try to kind of target uh, cultural skills. So for the Arabic one, it'll be things like how to bargain in the souk, um, how to travel around the city. Um, and part of that is just basic informational knowledge. So these are the types of taxis that exist. This is about how much you should pay. So if they try to rip you off, you'll know, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But it's also mm-hmm. great to talk about, um, I know on the Persian side, you guys had the tarif one. To yes, talk we about had one talking to, about tarif, the you know, sort of ritualistic politeness. We've had ones about Persian tea, about how to yeah. address people, you know. Yeah, so what all sort of these things. Pronouns to use. We had one about how to text in Arabic with English letters because I was talking to Drew about this earlier because this is a thing that's really important. Like, that's how people text and write Facebook and messages. On YouTube, and on YouTube, and on comments. YouTube, on Facebook, on texting. So it's really important to be able to read that, but it's not something that's taught in your book. I mean, they're not going to cover that in your class, mm-hmm. but that's a really important part of cultural competence. So that's yeah. sort of some of the things we try to aim at through the, yeah, the so class. You get these aspect. sort of very pragmatic skills that you wouldn't really think of to include in a class. No, that sounds great. And then I'll take kind of the role of, if I'm a high school student right now, maybe kind of what Drew did, I'm taking some language classes other than your normal Spanish or German. Um, how, how do I go about looking at the actual program from a degree standpoint, or whether it be a minor or major, and then also, like you said, kind of the five-year plan or the four-year plan. And then um, in reality, kind of looking at the, the ability to, to fund it too. Are there other, what kind of uh, routes do you see a lot of your students going through? Yeah. That kind of thing. So we love talking to high school students because they have so much time. We can make a great plan. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times, you know, we get people who are um, already in college, which is still great, and we love talking to them, but they have fewer options. So um, yeah, somebody coming in, we do have, I would say the vast majority of our students have some sort of language background, although it's usually not Arabic. Um, because it's not usually taught in high schools, right? So they come in with French or German or something, and they say, you know, I like learning languages, but um, I want to try something new. I think I want to try out Arabic or Persian. Um, so in terms of, um, you know, their major or, or fitting it into their career track, the nice thing with the flagship programs is that they were specifically designed to accommodate and attract other majors. Um, so you definitely don't have to be an Arabic or, or Persian major. And in fact, um, while many of our students do double major and do happen to be in those majors, there's no difference in sort of success rates in terms of completion of the program or certification at that ILR3. Mm-hmm. Um, just being in the program will get you there. Um, so that's, you know, sometimes students worry about that. They say like, well, but if I have another major, is that distracting? It's not, which is great. Um, so yeah, so we definitely encourage students. There are some majors that sort of harmonize well with the programs. Like mm-hmm. I said, we get a lot of students from government and politics, from linguistics, but We've had students from all over the place, mm-hmm. um, you know, STEM fields, communications, whatever. Typically, if a student, you know, really knows what they want to do, we can make a plan that accommodates that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, the nice thing about getting someone early in their trajectory um, is we can offer them these summer study options like we have with the Summer Institute here domestically. The great thing about the Summer Institute is that it is the equivalent of an entire academic year's worth of material. So if a student comes and does the summer institute, let's say the summer before their freshman year. They're a complete beginner. They can start their freshman year in the second year of Arabic or Persian and take off running and they'll be at the same level as everyone else in their class. So that's a really great option for students who 
maybe are really interested in the program, but they don't want to spend five years in college. They want to condense it into a four-year program. The Summer Institute helps them do that. Um, it also is a really useful option for students who um, who start learning the language later, so they don't come in as a freshman knowing that they want to learn these languages, or um, they just want to get a lot of extra language. They want to fit in a different study abroad program. These are all you know pathways that are made possible with, with summer study, which is really excellent. Um, and then in terms of funding, so the main um, you know, funding questions that we get are about summer study and about the capstone year. So on the Arabic side, um, we have three opportunities for, um, for funding through the Arabic flagship program. We do offer scholarships to our students to kind of help offset that cost. So for um, the Summer Institute here at Maryland, we also have an optional summer program overseas in McNess, Morocco um, that we can offer funding for, and then for that capstone year. So um, our scholarships don't cover the entire cost of tuition, but they definitely help offset that. Um, and then the other thing is that our students are super competitive for other types of scholarships. So um, particularly for the capstone year, um, the Arabic program has been very successful in getting our students Boren scholarships. Um, so the Boren scholarship is a $20,000 award for students studying critical languages um, with interest in working in the federal government. Um, and then when they return from their program, they have a one-year service requirement. So to throw out the stats on it, I think it's since 2012 or 2013, the past um, several years, the University of Maryland has been um, the number one recipient of born awards in the country. Of that number, the majority of them are Arabic flagship students. Mm -hmm. For the past four years, all of our students who have applied for a born have received it. For the past three years, all of our students overseas on their capstone year have been born scholars. So if you are a high school student looking to study Arabic and are interested in working for the federal government, this is the place to be. Um, mm -hmm. So that is an option that many of our students use, but even for students who aren't necessarily interested in BORN, they don't want to work for the government, um, there are tons of other scholarships that they find just by virtue of kind of being a good student and working in this critical language, um, they often find other sources of funding, which is great. So unfortunately on the Persian side, one of the downsides of the program being domestic is that our students are not eligible for the BORN scholarship or, the, or many of the other study abroad uh, scholarships. Um, however, uh, there are other ways for students to fund it. One of the one of the things that's really important also is that if uh, any of the students are interested in military service, if they're ROTC students, then that means that they're eligible to have the full cost of tuition covered, both for the uh, summer program and also for the capstone year. Yeah, and particularly for if the for ROTC students, they get sort of dub double benefits because they get um, uncapped funding from for certain programs from us from the flagship programs, and then many of the branches. Uh, I don't believe all of them, but most of the branches will also offer some sort of incentive pay. For example, mm -hmm. Army ROTC has Clip B um, mm -hmm. that will pay for language study, so they you know they can kind of work both angles um, from yeah. that. Yeah, we have a whole list of military and some civilian. I'm still working on those uh, <laughs> monetary incentives yeah. on our website. Mm -hmm. If you click on the language page and then scroll to the bottom, you'll see the. Monetary Incentives page, and that mentions Clip B mm -hmm. and uh, an assortment of others. But you, you, you mentioned uh, ROTC students who, or ROTC, I don't know how you, I say ROTC, but... Um, I think I go back and forth on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who are eligible to get most or all of their tuition covered. Is that, what, what, what program is that through? So that's actually through the Language Flagship program. Oh, really? There are agreements between the Language Flagship and um, the ROTC branches. Um, that allow for any ROTC cadet um, to be eligible to have their full cost of tuition covered through an ROTC flagship scholarship. 
just to clarify, so that doesn't cover their academic semesters, fall and spring at Maryland, but it covers the summer program. So for instance, the summer institute that summer abroad with um, Arabic flagship and the capstone year. Yes. And that's and that's huge too because me being a former ROTC student, um, if you choose to choose to serve, whether it be a two year or four year scholarship, um, we'll have there's more points of contacts within the Army community or the military community that can tell you more about the exacts of all the ROTC scholarships. But mm -hmm. if you if you sign the dotted line to serve, whether it be in a reserve or active duty capacity, your tuition will be paid for uh, from the Army. So during the normal spring and fall semesters, uh, you'll be taken care of there. Uh, with your service obligation, but at the same time, you're able to take care of these summer programs, and it's really nothing out of pocket for that ROTC student. Yeah, and that's uh, that's pretty incredible when it comes down to the, the yeah. quality of language learning you can get, and not have student loans uh, when it comes down to it. And it's uh, I know, for example, when I came here in 2012, uh, my commander paid for me to come here uh, completely uh, via the army and mm -hmm. and learn Persian for an entire summer, and it was a huge opportunity for me, mm -hmm. and it really just really just springboarded my entire language learning ability and my ability to get my master's and keep moving forward. And uh, do you know, do you all uh, work with Project Go quite a bit as well? Yes. Project Global Officer, which so, helps ROTC students. Yeah, so I wanted to mention that too. So um, the funding that we were just talking about through the language flagship is for students who have, you know, done that commitment to the flagship programs. They're looking long term. They want to do this for several years. But we also have our newest program in the special programs in Arabic and Persian at UMD family is uh, is Project Go, which we offer in, again, both Arabic and Persian. And that is a great opportunity for ROTC students um, who are not necessarily um, doing long-term study, who don't have to be um, U University of Maryland students. Mm -hmm. They can come from all over the country. Um, so with Project Go, again, it offers full funding um, for a summer study, whether that be domestically with us at the Summer Institute, um, or for Arabic, there's also an overseas um, first-year program uh, in McNess, Morocco at the same center that hosts our summer um, and capstone flagship programs. Um, so that's a really great opportunity um, for people either that just want to try it out for one summer or for people who think, I might be interested in flagship down the line, but I'm not quite ready to make that commitment, so I'm going to try it out. Mm -hmm. um, the summer study through Project Go is a really great way to do that. And another important thing that Leanne mentioned is that, you know, this is open to ROTC students across the country. You don't have to be a University of Maryland student. If you study somewhere where there isn't a flagship program, you can still apply for Project Go. Um, and there are different languages that are offered. University of Maryland does Arabic and Persian, but there are other opportunities for students across the country in other languages as well. Um, so that's a really great way for ROTC students to sort of get out there and try something new and go abroad possibly and have that funded. Yeah, and I've I've told many ROTC students that are currently in right now to to utilize this service because it's a great opportunity to go learn whether it be a summer abroad or just a summer here at the University of Maryland or Indiana, mm -hmm. Colorado, wherever it may be, being able to have that paid for for an entire summer. And I keep hammering the point home uh, to these cadets that are out there listening: don't go be a lifeguard <laughs> or go work a landscape company or go cut grass like I did back in college. <laughs> Take advantage of this, learn a critical language, have it paid for, and really broaden your abilities. Even if you're a business major or a finance major, having this extra language, uh, as Drew mm -hmm. and I have talked about many, many times, I'm sure you all full well know uh, within the government sector and the private sector, having this, these critical languages are just a huge springboard for careers um, in any, any level, uh, any, any kind of uh, specialty. Yeah, and I think that's huge too. I mean, obviously doing something like the flagship program or Project Go and getting that overseas experience um, or really intensive domestic experience, 
of course it helps with you know with the language um, and the really specific knowledge but I think that in general too we see our students really coming out with a lot of those soft skills that employers are looking for so you know and they always talk about things like you know adaptability and uh, ability to work with diverse colleagues and this sort of thing I mean you know it sounds kind of Mm-hmm. you know, ethereal and you don't really know what that means. But those are the skills that you get out of, you know, living in Morocco for a year and having to deal with when your washer breaks and the landlord won't open his, you won't answer his phone. I mean, that's something that you have to learn how to be adaptable and mm-hmm. deal with that situation. And, you know, that's something that then down the line when you're in a career and, you know, something terrible happens at work, well, you've been in a worse situation, you can learn how to deal with it. So mm-hmm. I think too, you know, in addition to the language, so I, I think that's something, you know, that is it is a good way to pitch it to non-language majors because right they think well i'm in business i don't know if i'll end up you know working with the middle east specifically um but even if they don't they still get these soft skills out of it that can be really beneficial absolutely i mean that's something even for our students that don't go abroad uh if you live with three other people and you have class with them every day and you see them 40 50 60 hours a week there will be tensions that come up and uh capstone students learn how to deal with that it's great for your interpersonal skills exactly (laughs) yeah and learning how to go through that intensive program yeah and And coming out the other side and yeah learning how to learn learning how to you know deal with a very rigorous schedule and sort of stay on top of things those you get really uh incredible skills from doing that being able to curse yourself and curse someone else in that language is also a little side <laughs> yes. note. So many, yeah. so many options. <laughs> yeah. When you want to say something but you can't quite do it in a crowd, and you can. Then yeah. this is the way to do it. There's, Learn in yeah. isolation. <laughs> Not by any stretch of imagination, any reason to actually go through with the entire program for that reason. But it's just a little, that might not carry you through little, the intensity of the program. But yeah, no. a little, a little side note. It's been helpful for me. So, Garrett, you were you brought up a few times that you are an alum of one of these, of the summer language Yes, program? so my last summer when I was going through ROTC at Indiana, I got the opportunity to come here for the summer Persian flagship program, and for lack of a better term, it was a wake-up call for me, because <laughs> I didn't realize what my true level was of Persian, and it was humbling, but at the same time, the teachers were absolutely phenomenal. Um, I don't know if Hanome Majane got her She is still here. She's yep. still here. Yep. Uh, she was an absolute fantastic teacher. And then really the entire program was incredible for me because I still have notes from the program with me at work that I still refer to. There's wow. cultural things I still look at. I mean, when they say you learn one year of an academic language, it's completely true and probably more in reality. And that's not, and that's, it's it's true it's absolutely true where i still look back at cultural powerpoints that we looked at and the i still watch some of the uh persian iranian movies that we watched mm-hmm. and it really kind of got me in the right mindset for this too and actually the whole idea of this critical language mentor um kind of website and the side business that drew and i run here kind of came from what i saw here was the ability to have just extra resources and extra things that mm-hmm. most people don't think about when it comes down to language learning. And I remember one of the first days I was here, we got a, just a list of resources. Um, and it was it was a lot, it was great things that I had no idea about. And it kind of put that light bulb in my head. And I was like, there's gotta be all kinds of other things out there that you don't know until you know. And yeah. being able to do that, and that's where Drew and I kind of came up with this idea. And in reality, University of Maryland was that springboard for me, both 
with this and also just my career too, where now I'm working with Persian Farsi um, currently, and it's been a huge help for me. And it's the reason I'm in the job that I'm in um, is because of the language, and I'm about two or three levels higher than I would normally be if I was not language enabled uh, when it comes down to it. And being able to go through Indiana to get my master's degree and commission uh, into the military was a great thing. And then being able to come here to get my language ability to where it needed to be uh, for my master's degree really was just a huge opportunity for me. And uh, I just wanted to kind of reiterate that to everyone listening here, that it was an amazing opportunity. Yeah, and I do want to mention too, so we mentioned that Project GO students um, don't have to be UMD students. The Summer Institute, similarly, is also open to everyone. Um, so we have students who are undergrads at Maryland, graduate students at Maryland, but we also get the occasional high schooler, um, grads and undergrads from other schools across the country, working mm-hmm. professionals who are coming back to learn a new language or brush up on their skills. So um, if there are folks who are interested in you know, getting some language, but they're not really sure what to do, or maybe they've already graduated, so they don't know how to get into it. The Summer Institute here is a great way to do that, um, because we do have such a diverse um, group of students, and we accept students at sort of all levels and past graduation as well. Yeah, and to go off that too, I I remember we had three or four, um, I think, Navy and Army personnel that were active duty. Yeah. That came here for the summertime too, so anyone listening out there that's active duty, this is a great training opportunity where you can go to your commander and say, hey, I will be able to pass my exam at level three if I go through the third year or fourth year, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and to know that you're going to be able to get some of the best training you can get as opposed to some of the training that might be out there with the government that is really is uh, is good, but it, it's not going to be the quality, uh, in my opinion, of this. And it's really, it's uh, it's one of the best programs that I can, I can see for the summer uh, program when it comes down to Persian, and it's uh, it was a huge help for me. So, yeah, and I mean that's definitely something that we've had um, in the past. We've had active duty military. We've also had a lot of people who have separated and retired from the military, um, and uh, you know those who went to DLI and used their language skills while they were in the military, but then come back and want to you know boost it up to that next level. Um, and so we've really gotten a lot out of the military people who have come here. Um, it's been a great opportunity for them to be able to come and sort of continue their education that way. Yeah, and uh, the military personnel that were with me during the class in 2012, I remember hearing from them that it was great for them because it was this was kind of like DLI for them. A lot easier, they didn't have to wake up at six in the morning and, <laughs> and do physical fitness and all that rigmarole, but they were able to learn, especially the cultural side and the non-military side. Because DLI, it's structured for that reason, for good reason, for the military linguist. Mm-hmm. But being able to come here and learn the, the other cultural aspects and the really the not military side of the language uh, is a big broadening effect uh, for a lot of these military linguists and these former linguists or just language-enabled personnel within the military sector too. So, so I have a question. Um, I, I went on a summer program, the NISLEY-wide program, the National Security Language Initiative for Youth. Jay, you did the critical language yep. scholarship also exactly. in Tajikistan. Yep. So would you say that this is an opportunity for people who, well, I was about to say who did a year in Tajikistan, but they don't have a year in Tajikistan, who have come back for, for say, the Nisli kids, mm-hmm. who did a, a summer in Tajikistan, but and then are are looking at colleges and do the pro, the summer program here is that an option like can they do you have to start from zero or we accept so the summer language programs here we accept students at all levels so for the past several years on the persian side we've had 
um, classes from the first year all the way up to the fourth year of Persian. Um, and the students who have come in at the second, third, or fourth year, they've been from all sorts of different backgrounds. So some of them have studied at different universities. Some of them have studied on summer programs like Nisli Y or Critical Language Scholarship. Some of them have been at DLI or other different programs. Um, and so one of the first things that we do when students are accepted to the summer language program is we actually test them ahead of time um, to sort of see what their language level is so that we can put them in the class that really uh, is, is where they should it be fits. so that they can fit that way and they can continue to learn from whatever level they were at before, whether it was from absolute beginner or if they have done other summer programs. Um, and so we really are flexible with where the students can go and where they fit in based on where their, their language skills are. Yeah, and on the Arabic side too, we get a number of students who have done Nisluwai or who have done CLS, and we also get a large number who have done Start Talk, um, which is another high school uh, domestic study that um, there's a number of schools in the area that host it. Um, so a lot of them have done one, two, sometimes three summers with Start Talk in high school, and they know that Arabic is for them, and they just want to keep going. Um, and it's great because they can come to Maryland and place into um, the second half of the first year. They can place right into the second year. Um, and we're able to kind of accommodate them coming in at wherever uh, wherever they are. And it's great too for, for students that do come in with some previous experience because they can, that's just all the more Arabic that they can mm -hmm. fit in during their time with us. And even some of the students who haven't had formal language training. We've had heritage students who grew up speaking Persian in the home, but they never got you know academic training. They never really um, got that sort of high level register of Persian. And so they, we've had heritage students that come in and learn in the classroom setting and so we place them in with approximately where they would be with the other peers in their language so uh, even those who don't have any formal training in the language but have language experience we accept them and are more than happy to work with them to figure out where they should be so one of the last questions i had was really about the application process uh, for anyone out there uh, whether it be military high school student or college student of uh, when they can apply and kind of the timeline for that whether it be the summer program or the normal uh, fall and spring intensive program yeah, so um, for the Arabic flagship, we accept applications three times per year. So again, to be in the uh, in the flagship program, which is that longer term uh, program, which includes the capstone year overseas, um, they do have to be an undergrad student at UMD. Um, but we take uh, applications at the end of every semester, so summer, fall, and spring. So that typically looks like early August, November, and April. Um, for the so yeah, so for the summer institute. Um, that is open to all types of students, uh, graduate, undergraduate, working professional, really motivated high school students. Um, so those applications typically go up in about February, um, and then they have a couple of different deadlines. There's always an early bird deadline, which is in early March. Um, that's a great option for students. It gives them a discount of $200 off their tuition, so if someone's um, on top of their game, they should definitely get in by that uh, deadline. There's a priority application um, at the end of March, uh, that is the deadline to be considered for summer institute scholarships, so another great date to keep in mind. Um, and for Project Go, they have a similar um, application process or application timeline um, as the summer institute, typically with the deadline being in um, February or early March. Um, and for that, again, you do have to be an ROTC student, but you don't have to be a Maryland student. So um, definitely all of that information, you know, as it updates by the year, is found on our website and then for Persian flagship. So for Persian flagship, we also accept um, uh, one time per semester. So at the very, be basically between the summer and fall semester. So right at the beginning of the fall semester, at, right at the beginning of the spring semester. So January-ish, um, and then right again at the end of the year, right before the summer starts. Um, and also it is important to keep in mind that the flagship programs are only open to University of Maryland students, but 
if you're interested in the flagship programs, we're more than happy to help work with you to figure out how transferring to University of Maryland works. Um, we've had several students who have completed a bachelor's degree elsewhere and then come to the University of Maryland for a second bachelor's degree to be in the flagship programs um, or have transferred in the middle of their uh, regular undergraduate career from other universities to come here and work on the flagship program. And it, yeah. And I will say too, so while the University of Maryland has the only Persian flagship uh, program in the country, we are just one of five Arabic flagship programs. So there are also uh, Arabic flagships at the um, University of Texas at Austin, Arizona, Indiana, and Oklahoma. So if uh, you are a high school student looking at um, colleges, those are also um, those also have Arabic flagship programs, um, and several of them also have summer um, programs as well. I know specifically um, UT Austin and uh, Indiana have very large summer programs. Mm -hmm. um, and I should say too, so uh, when I say we accept applications uh, those three times, really it's that we review applications at those three times. So um, you know people can feel free to give us their application materials at any point. They're all on our website. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, if you're, particularly for students who are interested in doing some of these programs but they're not sure what their trajectory looks like or which program is right for them um, we definitely encourage them to come talk to us we can always look at their academic plan when, what's their graduation plan what does their major look like and kind of make an individualized plan for everybody well that wraps up all the time we have for today so i want to say shukran leanne thank you very much and very <laughs> we've actually, we've actually. Okay. And I think we can end it on that. Do you want to say the last part? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the last part. So if you have any more questions about the University of Maryland Arabic and Persian flagship programs, you can visit them on the web at globalprofessionals.umd.edu. So I just wanted to thank everyone for listening. Um, please, please, please like and rate on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Pocket Casts or heck, even SoundCloud. Um, it really helps us reach a wider audience. Um, also, if you want, you can like us and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can search for Critical Language Mentor. And if you tweet at us, tweet with hashtag LanguageHH. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you.